In this session, I would like to cover a few of the key concepts that you need to understand to actually make sense of the current AI paradigm. And uh, those concepts really make you understand how this technology is evolving, how it works, and uh, in which direction it might go forward. It's critical to understand the technological paradigm and how AI is shaped right now to actually also make sense of the kind of business architecture which is uh, uh, created uh, and which is getting created right now on top of this AI paradigm. For the sake of it, let's start with a few uh, key concepts to understand here. And uh, let's start for the first one, which is unsupervised learning. Now, for years, these, uh, uh, most of the DI that actually worked, it was mostly like supervised learning, meaning that uh, most of the work that he went into also a training uh, neural nets in the past, it was especially about uh, labeling a lot of data and uh, making into structured data and thus with this structured data enabling the machine to generate an output that made sense. But even when you did that, you could actually achieve very narrow tasks, meaning that you could actually use unsupervised learning to actually give very specific goals to the machine. And therefore, with uh, the help of uh, labeled data and a lot of structured data, so data that you, you took and organized into, into into a format that the machine could understand. Just as an example, imagine the case of, of a piece of text, which uh, is not a structured data for the machine, but it's actually a structured data. You take that and you actually organize it into a nice table with all the formatted uh, you know, rows and columns. That's when you get the sort of structured data which you can fetch to the machine to actually make it produce something valuable. That was the old paradigm. With the new paradigm of AI, the interesting part is that through unsupervised learning from unlabeled, so from unstructured data, you can, you can get uh, actually an incredible outcome, meaning that the AI has become quite good in actually uh, being able to be trained with an unsupervised approach on unstructured data. There was a key tenant, uh, tenet of this AI revolution. A second key point to understand the key concept is the transformer architecture, which is a, a neural network architecture for processing sequences of data such as text, audio, and time series data. And the real turning point, again, was the paper in 2017, which was actually uh, uh, created by uh, Google scholars at Google Brain, which is called Attention is All You Need. The interesting part is that this transformer architecture actually introduced a self-attention mechanism that allowed the AI model to waive the importance of different elements and input sequences when making predictions. So that's what it is. Like uh, if you think about the AI in the current state, it's mostly a prediction machine. And the interesting part is that with this new architecture, finally the AI got quite good in predicting the, 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 outcome, the outcome that he needed to. And the interesting part, as we'll see throughout this, uh, this session, is the fact that uh, the only prediction that uh, the AI was asked to make in this whole unsupervised learning approach through a transformer-based architecture is to actually make a text-to-text -text prediction, meaning just uh, predict uh, the next word or like uh, in technical speaking, this is like a sort of a token, which is not really a word. It's something like smaller than a word. Just make this prediction right and then, uh, you know, make it, uh, produce it in a way that is uh, semantically uh, correct. So once the machine has been uh, trained 
in a, in a unsupervised fashion to learn the structure of language on a mass amount of data, then of course the interesting part is that he can generate those predictions, text-to-text -text prediction, and with those text-to-text -text prediction, it can do quite interesting stuff. That's the counterintuitive point. So the machine, by becoming good at a very single and simple goal, which is text-to-text -text prediction, it, it has actually become quite good at many tasks. But we'll see that actually to become uh, specialized, meaning able to perform various specific tasks, uh, it needed to do and it needed a few other elements that I'll, I'll uh, you know, explain in a, in a minute. But the key thing to understand here, which uh, is, uh, again, quite fascinating, is that the machine, by giving the machine a very simple goal, which is the text-to-text -text prediction, and doing it on a mass amount of data in an unsupervised fashion, the machine would become quite good at things for which it had not been programmed for. For instance, GPT-3, so one of the latest models of uh, OpenAI, was not trained to actually uh, being able to code or like to speak multiple languages, but it did so by simply uh, giving this simple goal of text-to-text -text prediction. So if you look at GPT-3, the most interesting part is that uh, it's a sort of modern version of an autocomplete, which is a tool that you get when you jump on Google and you search for something. But the interesting part is that this sort of smart, uh, or if you wish, this sort of modern autocomplete ended up doing a huge of interesting stuff, a huge amount of interesting stuff. So that's also a key point to understand when we look at tools like ChatGPT. They are not built for factuality necessarily because, again, the main model behind it uh, is actually doing text-to-text -text prediction. We'll see how, uh, you know, however, OpenAI has uh, built another layer on top of GPT-3 to actually make it more factual, more grounded, less hallucinating. But the key point is that if you understand that those are sort of very, very smart, autocomplete, you do understand that uh, how incredible it is, the kind of results that you're getting, we're getting today from, uh, from uh, those AI tools. And a key, to, a key thread to understand in this session and uh, along the podcast that I'm covering is the property of emergence, which means the rising of properties that could not be foreseen as the AI was trained, which were the result of actually scaling up those AI models. One example, of course, is uh, prompting, which I'll explain in a minute, and then in-context learning, as we've seen. So another key point to understand is the generative AI paradigm. So we're moving from a static web to a dynamic web, which gets hyper, or it can get hyper-personalized. So where in the past you will get through, for instance, a search engine, an experience where you search for something and you get the page, but all the other users are getting the same page for the same intent. On the other side, you get the generative paradigm where you can get a machine learning model on the other side that can generate the answer on the fly. And therefore, it's quite interesting that with this new paradigm, the machine is able to generate on the fly a piece of code, text, audio, image, video in the future, which might be different for each user and perhaps based on the context the user is experiencing in that moment, in real time. That's the interesting part. Therefore, with the new generative AI paradigm, we're actually moving and transitioning from uh, static to dynamic, from general to customized, from out of context to in context, and from asynchronous, which means generated before it, it was needed to real time. So as I said, imagine the, imagine the case of a search engine which page existed before it was generated for you once you search for a query. Instead, in a generative engine, you get the opposite, the query, the, the answer, 
doesn't exist before and even the query doesn't exist before because the user can generate generate it uh, have it generated uh, on the fly as uh, the machine produces it another key element to understand and key concept is that of uh, llms or large language models and the sheer force of computing meaning that a large language model as we've seen it's actually a deep neural networks which has been trained on a vast amounts of data to generate natural language text predictions and uh, the the quite interesting you know paradigm of those large language models is that actually to make them work in the first place they require a lot of computing power so large language models also brought us to a new paradigm which is that of uh, par parallelization or really the use of gpus uh, as a main fundamental hardware to actually create those ai supercomputer that enable us to do such incredible things which connects us to another point now, if all this computing power is needed, why is needed in the first place? Well, this is needed to actually complete what's called a pre-training. A pre-training is a sort of, uh, you know, a technique, if you wish, uh, that uh, helps us to transform a neural net into a general purpose engine. So with pre-training, actually, you take a very large uh, data set and uh, you uh, feed it into the, the machine through a transformer-based architecture and by breaking down those models through billions of parameters and that's how you get you know a very powerful general purpose machine so the whole pre-training process is mostly like again unsupervised and that's the interesting part which connects to the first point that we saw initially which is what makes it so interesting so you unleash it so in the pre-training phase you unleash the large language models on a vast amount of data on the web or for instance whatever data you have selected and by training of billions of parameters with sheer computational power through x supercomputers that is how you actually achieve this kind of result now the question is how do we actually move from pre-training to actually uh, making sure that those engines can be come quite good in uh, doing specific tasks well this is what fine-tuning does fine-tuning is uh, what makes uh, you know a general purpose machine into a specialized engine fine-tuning it's uh, uh, differently from uh, pre-training which is mostly unsupervised is more like supervised uh, you know learning method or of, of machine learning where actually you give to the machine a set of examples that it can learn and draw from which is going to be used to actually make the machine quite good at uh, specific uh, tasks indeed if you take an example when gpt3 was actually pre-trained it was actually quite good general purpose engine but in order to make it good for things like text classification uh, name entity extraction uh, question answering or like dialogue generation it needed to be fine-tuned on a labeled data set for that specific task where you have a humans that actually show the, the 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 machine those tasks in a way that uh, and those outputs the one the you know the output that uh, that we want so that the machine can learn quickly on a much smaller data set that's how you moved from a general purpose machine to a specialized one and then we go from uh, specialized to conversational how through an additional layer which uh, is a layer that is built on top of a method uh, of actually another uh, large language model 
um, sort of uh, developed by OpenAI, which is called Instruct GPT, which is an additional layer on top of GPT-3. The interesting thing is that uh, in this process, which if you want is still a sort of fine-tuning process, it's a fine-tuning process uh, that happens through reinforcement learning from human feedback or RLHF, meaning this is a process where is a technique which is used to actually add an additional layer of, um, uh, of understanding uh, or at least actually an additional layer that uh, helps the machine or an underlying model like GPT-3 to actually become more uh, factual. And in this reinforcement learning process, actually, the, the machine follows this step. So with the instruct GPT model, uh, you get uh, um, generated responses based on the structure, uh, instructions were provided. Then there is a human evaluator who actually reviews the responses and provides a feedback on the, uh, the accuracy, the fluency, and the relevance of the instructions. And this feedback is recorded right on into the parameters of the model, therefore, to improve the model right on. That's how actually through Instruct GPT we got something like ChatGPT. And right now, Instruct GPT has become most probably a standard within all the GPT models from OpenAI. And that's quite interesting. The other key element is a prompt engineering, which, if you wish, is a sort of back end, front end in a single paradigm, meaning that with prompt engineering, it's quite interesting to think that you can actually create something from, from, from a scratch by telling the machine what you want as an outcome. And then there is another key point, which is in-context learning, which is also quite interesting. In-context learning really is, a, is about making the machine able to perform a task at end based on the context in which the user is. And therefore, imagine the case of the machine who is able to access uh, the information and the data on the iPhone device of a user. And based on that data, is going to change drastically and dynamically the results for the, the, the user itself. And this connects to the uh, other thing that is critical for the, for the development of those AI models, which is multimodality. Multimodality is really the phenomenon where those machines that right now we are breaking down into you know, text, image, video, audio, and so forth, will become a single AI foundational layer that is able to handle multiple formats at once and is able to actually do, do very complex stuff at once. And it can perform almost any task that we give it in a, in a way that is uh, actually uh, good enough to actually turn it into many uh, applications. And of course, uh, many of the foundational layers, players like OpenAI, Google and others are working on multimodality, which is the next frontier of AI. But those are the core tenets of the current AI paradigm and revolution.